0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you as always for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends, for liking my post. It all really means a lot and I'm really excited to wrap up the second season of Miami Vice and the second season of this podcast. It's going by a lot quicker than I envisioned. I haven't even crept up on one year yet. I believe I hit one year in March around St. Patrick's Day. So it's really exciting. This week we are going to be breaking down Season 2 Episodes episode 23, Sons and Lovers. This is the season finale and it gets juicy. Per IMDB, the synopsis is as follows. The son of Tubbs's archenemy, Calderon, oozes to the surface with a $1 million contract on Tubbs, while Calderon's sister, Angelina, says Tubbs is the father of her child. And before we get to the scandalous stuff, let's go with the cold opens. the cold open, we see sunny tubs and a hired goon. Hired goons? In quite the ensemble. So we have uh, an open... <laughs> an open color block shirt with a gold chain and a curly mullet yeah so we're setting up the cold open for something that's a lot more comical than it really is and i do apologize i ran out of my legal pads which is what i usually write on so i have a lot more space to work with before i have to flip so you will hear a lot of paper flipping in this episode i'll try to edit it out but it might be a little difficult and i'm trying to tell if this apartment that they're meeting at is under construction because it kind of looks I wrote wallpaper question mark, but it could also be... What was it called? When you would sponge paint the walls, uh, because it's not really all one color. It's white. Then you got some, like, black patterns on there. might be gray. And then you have a blue kitchen island in the middle. It is a whole mix of things. They're going to make a deal. We see a guy counting the money with an open briefcase. And within the gift that I took of the guy counting his money with the open briefcase full of cash, we see Switek doing surveillance across the street. So, luckily, we know that Crockett and Tubbs are protected. However, this is a ripoff. The guy who's counting the money orders our favorite hired goon to strip Crockett and Tubbs of their wires, meaning that there's no more communication with their surveillance. Once they get out of sight, that's when Zytec realizes that things are going awry, that it's a rip-off, and luckily they're able to get the backup to come. But while this is happening, Crockett and Tubbs are basically being held at gunpoint by the guys that are going to rip them off. Furthermore, these guys know that they're cops, so they really do not care. And while this is all going on, they rig the door. They wire the door with grenades, so if anybody tries to come in, it'll blow it up. So... This is quite a perilous scene that Crockett and Tubbs are in. While Crockett and Tubbs are sitting down with their hands up, held at gunpoint before backup is able to come to the room, a guy with a shotgun pointing at them. Crockett notices a little laser beam going across his chest. He gets shot. And to me, that was just like a really nice way to showcase not only their friendship but how they work together and how in sync they are with each other and how they really have each other's backs speaking of having each other's backs once Swiatek comes upstairs we have the obligatory self-deprecating joke about him not being in shape and then when Crockett thanks him for whoever on the team who had the laser things get a little murky what's really going on yeah well you can tell whoever has that
1: laser (laughs) He's got a big one coming from us. Anything he wants. What are you talking about? Whoever took out our friend Mendez here, practically had this shotgun up our noses before I saw that laser light on the wall. We didn't have a laser.
0: We didn't even get a shot off. And if that spooky Jan Hammer score wasn't enough, something interesting is going on. Who would be watching so closely, armed, ready to go, with a laser attached to their gun? So, probably an assassin who is working to help Crockett and Tubbs that they don't know about. This is very interesting. So, after the intro, we're back at the precinct. Castillo's getting the rundown from Crockett, Tubbs, Ytech all that. Unfortunately, Castillo does blame all of this on sloppy backup, whereas Crockett really tries to have their back. And unfortunately, it's not really changing things. Castillo, surprise, surprise, is not really having a good day. And then Crockett kind of explains why to Tubbs in this next scene. I
1: almost like one of his best cops this morning. Yeah, not to mention you.
0: <laughs> this is a very witty episode. There are lots of, like, really good one-liners and zingers throughout the entire episode. So they do have the lead. Remember that Mendez is in the hospital. And then this snitch who helped them set up this deal that turned out to be a ripoff. Gina has just spotted his car. So Krocket and Tubbs are over to go pay him a visit. And boy, oh boy, are they pissed off. And they are looking for answers and they get some surprising information in this next clip. I, well, after I set up your gig, I got,
1: I got hip to this bounty, and then I told Mendez what you guys were about, the next thing the dude shows up in a limo, I don't Whoa, know. Hold, hold, hold it. What are you talking, bounty? But you don't know? Yeah, man, words on the street. One million dollars if you can deliver Ricardo Tubbs alive. Deliver to who? Someone named Calderon. Calderon! <sighs> <laughs> Calderon was killed a year ago. Oh, man, that's the name. I swear it.
0: Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, we watched Crockett shoot Calderon and Calderon slowly and cinematically die right by the edge of his pool and plop his head into the pool as he... He's dead, dead. So what's going on? Who has this bounty? That's... Is he pretending to be Calderon? We shall see. If you have listened to the beginning of the episode, we already know the answer in the synopsis. But, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to keep this going for momentum's sake. And it is funny. So, the whole kind of, like, funny part of the scene is that Crockett and Tubbs are roughhousing this guy. And he's blindfolded. And Crockett mentions that they're eight stories up, blah, 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 blah. And they kind of, like, dangle him at the window to get more information. And they end up pushing him off. But it's only, like, not even a meter. Like, it's very low to the ground. And Gina... And Trudy, Jean actually looks amazing. She's wearing, like, a white knit dress with blue boots and blue belt and blue accessories, looking like a million bucks. Even though we don't really get a good shot of her outfit, I did really enjoy that. And I made a very big note on that. So this is really weird. They have no idea what's going on. When they're back at the precinct, Crockett's gets a call from the hospital about Mendez, that, you know, he's waking up from surgery. They might be able to get a little bit more information. Tubbs, on the other hand... Is not looking towards the future, but he's thinking about the past. And we are about to get a very, very cheesy montage scene. The song is... Sorry, I have it written down. I know it's by Roger Daltrey. The song is After the Fire by Roger Daltrey. And you're going to hear a little bit of this next clip. Now... What I do recommend is that unfortunately, I was not able to capture all of this on the gallery, which you can always find in the episode description and the episode notes under every episode, either on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, what have you. So, remember the montage from Calderon's Return, part two, where they're making love, quote unquote, while the clouds are blowing by, and it's like this kind of oh my god, what's that word? It's not a fade in, fade out, like this overlay. Of them embracing and then the clouds. it's so cheesy and it's set to this song. After the, fire, the fire still burns. The heart grows older, but never ever but Now so this whole montage is happening to this song. And again, Roger Daltrey has a great voice. I just not prepared to hear it in a power ballad setting you know like that's not what I envisioned but you know like he can he's got power in that like I did feel that song and I cannot judge Tubbs because I have a folder on my computer of exes and I kind of know I should get rid of it again these are like people from high school like I am no spring chicken and these are people that again like didn't love me that didn't treat me the way I deserve to be treated not bad but you know just guys that didn't want to take me out or that never I never really like had a communication with that I never really hung out with it was always games it was always like Or I would kind of quasi-stuck them. I would be able to find out where they could go based on, like, what event they had agreed to go on Facebook and then miraculously show up at the same time, you know, with a full face of makeup. And I always tell you guys to go where you're wanted. So I don't know why I keep this. I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing. And I don't really creep on my exes anymore. I accidentally, wasn't even an ex, but it was this guy I dated, and I was trying to see what his girlfriend looks like and this is me being very snobby because ever since we had our thing I kind of have kept tabs on the women he's dated just to not to be judgy but just as like a comparison you know looks wise body wise Uh, (laughs) I sound so egotistical right now and then like this is also why I don't post photos of me in the internet because I would be like you're such like a troll but you know I just like to see what comes next You know, and so I was trying to actually creep on the girl he dated, but I accidentally ended up double tapping the photo and liking it. I was like, oh, and I was like, well, what am I going to do at that point? I'm just going to own it. So I didn't do anything. It's like I added him or requested to follow him or anything. But no, no, he was open. Yeah, that's why I could see the photo, and I was like, that would even look worse. Like I'm not even that curious about his life, but I like to keep tabs on the women that have dated men that I have been involved in, involved with. And I don't know why is that like these are people that didn't love me and like didn't appreciate me or just didn't want to be with me. It's I don't even have any flaws that I'm aware of. So why would anyone not want to date me? Ha ha ha. So I maybe it's a little unhealthy to have those, or it's because I also never had photos with people like out of the people that I've like hung out with or hooked up with what have you. Like I never really took photos of them. Like we never had romantic moments. So it's even kind of sadder that I have pictures of like photos that either I took because they were doing something, they were performing or it was some kind of event, but never pictures together. So it's even sadder. So, oh my God, why am I on this tangent? Yeah. So this is a reminder to myself that there is... I don't know why I keep them because it's not as if these are not people that I would date again. It's not as if if they came into my life again, I would just drop everything and leave my boyfriend for three years. Like, these are people that I think it's that bitter thing of like, why didn't they want to be with me? Like, I don't think it would have worked out, but like, why didn't they want to try? And I think it stems from insecurity and it stems from just, like, immaturity, too, because, again, like, if you don't want to actually be in a relationship with someone for the right reasons, like, you shouldn't just want people to date you so you can reject them. That's awful. So I guess maybe that's it. So you know what? I deserve, I deserve what I got. (laughs) But yes, I, too, uh, will nostalgically look over photos of exes, and I remember, oh my god, I have all these old playlists, and I have them on my iPod, and my iPod, I cannot play while I'm driving on the highway because I have to unplug my um, dash cam and it's too risky in Los Angeles to do that. So it was like very perilous for me to listen to these old playlists I had. And like my iPod, the last, like most of these playlists are from like 2009, 2010, 2011. And yeah, there's just a lot of emotion, a lot of cheesy songs. So like I too am tubs, like pouring over photo of my exes with sad songs and montages playing in my head. But this was a more important one for him, even though technically, I guess it was a one night stand. You know, he does have that soft spot in his heart for her and his partner killed his father because her father, because her father killed his brother. So kind of a star-crossed lovers, if you will. <laughs> but obviously this is not the last we see of Angelina. Now Castillo's in his office talking to Crockett and Tubbs, and he really can't, figure out the reason like this was a ripoff they knew there were cops and if it was just a business thing if they were just after Tubbs like why would they involve Crockett why would they go through all these extra steps so nobody really knows what's going on Tubbs does not want protection he does not want to be in a safe house but let's just say we know what happens when vice cops uh protest Dot protest too much Crockett wants to see Mendez and Crockett does a spot-on impression of Castillo in this next clip. Yeah, I know. No heroes. (sighs) I love how, like, they're just really embracing all the comedy in this season finale. Like, we're going to get a little dark. The themes get very dark towards the end, but we're going to roast a few people along the way. I appreciate that. Now, Crockett and Tubbs, they want to go see Mendez, as they got the call that he was getting out of surgery. Now, unfortunately, on the way... They get a call that he's going back into surgery. So Crockett takes Tubbs on a little detour. We pass by some beautifully, beautiful colored, lots of beautiful colors on this block. We got, where's my picture? Why didn't it save? oh, it's like a salmon background. We have blue tiles. We have a purple statement piece. And then we have a few like mustard yellow art deco all across. I just really liked this building that they passed on their way. Now they make a pit stop at Falcon Restaurant. Never seen this restaurant before. Again, it's very pro of the time. It doesn't no, obviously no longer exist. It's right off the Miami River. Now, here's a little bit of foreshadowing. This is why Crockett wants to take Tubbs to lunch. Also, Tubbs, a man after my own heart in this next clip.
1: Lunch on me on you Yep, can't let a guy buy his own last meal anything you want anything veggie burger. veggie burger anything, but that I tell you what surprised me. I gotta make a call.
0: Oh, I love that. He's asking for veggie burger because There weren't a ton of great veggie burger options, but there were some when I was beginning or when I became a vegetarian in like 2001 2002 McDonald's had a veggie burger for a hot second there. And we had, like, the store-bought veggie burgers. But, like, a little restaurant like this having a veggie burger in 1986 would be very avant-garde. So, for Tubbs' sake, I hope that they did have one. So, as he's making his call from Crockett's car phone, he notices something a little amiss. He notices a red laser bouncing off of his face. Just as he kind of turns around to notice... Two guys on motorcycles come, pull him by gunpoint, take him away into the van. The van, same van with the guy, our laser gun guy or our sniper guy. Then, to add insult to injury, the guy on the motorcycle shoots out the front and back tire of the Ferrari Spider. And by the time Crockett gets out, realizes what happened. Because again, this all happens in like maybe five seconds. He... Screwed! His tires are shot out. Oh well, obviously they're thinking ahead, but I still feel bad for Crockett anyway because, like we know, he does not make the kind of money that he can easily pay for repairs on a Ferrari. And who knows what kind of high-performance tires this car needs? You know, I'm able to get away with like tires that are like maybe $200 as run flats. So I'm sure in the 80s, and. With such a high-performance sports car, they were going to be quite a bit more. So my heart goes to Crockett in this moment. Now, what's happening in Tubbs? What's going on? Who took him? While he's waiting around, we see this beautiful screen, like one of those changing screens, with like a silver background and some black leaves painted into it. Very beautiful. He still doesn't know exactly what's going on. A door opens. We meet another goon. Hired goons? Who says nothing, opens a door. And who else but should walk in that door but Angelina in a white power suit. Some actually very pretty silver dangly chain link earrings. Not chain link, but like very fine chains kind of up in a loop her hair has grown out I actually think she looks prettier with the ultra short hair that we first saw her I think she's very pretty but I this kind of bouffant Sharon Osbourne hair is just not doing anything for those beautiful delicate features she wants to show tub something what could it be we walk through this house again very 80s I was trying to see the house as it stands now I believe it's 2000 West 67th Street I might be getting that wrong um, and it's, like, all the Google Maps, it's all hidden way in the back with tons of shrubbery. So, to be fair, this was a good idea to lay low while you're in town, because she has something to show to tubs. What could it be? Our son. Okay, I will say, this is very, very cute, because the baby is so chonky, and he has, like, a little bit of curly hair, like... Who does have bear a strong resemblance to Tom's. Like, I definitely see that this man could definitely be this baby's father. Also, this lays the question. So you have a one-night stand with the guy that you're setting out to kill's daughter. You don't know that it's his daughter at the time. You think that it's his associate or girlfriend, someone that you're trying to get close to. Someone who is in familial regard with this man who killed your brother, this major criminal and you didn't think to be a little bit more careful (laughs) like what in the 90 day fiance like you just beat this guy in the islands Uh, very charming like i get it but i'm like guys you didn't want to think a little bit you know safer here because uh that one night of love is now going to be immortalized forever But I get this is to drive the plot forward. And I guess, you know, they weren't thinking it was so romantic. It was such a sexy montage. They couldn't possibly stop for two seconds and, you know, think about the consequences of their actions. (laughs) But I will say that this baby is so, 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 so cute. Tubbs looks like he's enamored that he actually is very happy to receive this news. He does want a little bit more information from Angelina, like, Hey, where have you been for the last nine months plus, apparently? Why
1: didn't you tell me? I never intended to see you again after my father was killed. Angelina, he was going to kill me. I didn't come here for an explanation. I came here because someone is going to kill you. And whatever you are, you're the father of my child, and I've had enough bloodshed in my life. Who's going to kill me? My
0: half-brother, Orlando. And he'll do anything to get you. Ah, okay. So, who is his half-brother? Turns out, she and him were raised separately. His name is Orlando. And they've only ever met once in their respective lifetimes. When they met together, and Calderon gave them matching pendants. Gold chain pendants. Gold chain necklaces with a dolphin charm. To mark them as his children and there was one photo of them together and they look to be maybe nine and 14 like they're young young so who knows what this guy could look like today oh never mind question answered it's John Leguizamo and I looked this up because I was like he is young young he's I think he's about like 25 26 when they were filming this but he's just so babyface and this is one of his first roles Like, because obviously, like, we know him from, like, depending on the, uh, depending on the generation, Romeo and Juliet, Ice Age, to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, love Julie Newmar, and just to see him so baby-faced, and his voice, like, he doesn't have that kind of, like, goofy shtick, because in this role, he's more serious, but he's just so cute, I just can't get over it. Also, he looks nothing like Calderon, I guess maybe the curly hair, that's about it, so... Whoever the mother of Calderon's children are, the mothers, definitely the genes are strong with those ones because I don't really see a lot of resemblance to Calderon, but I digress. And just because Orlando is incredibly cute and baby-faced to me doesn't mean that he's not a dangerous individual because we see him with some hired goons on his way to meet up with two other gentlemen who are quite one of them is very well dressed one of them has to be I want to say jade or navy it's in another scene so I'm going to kick myself it's the exact same outfit it's like a mock turtleneck with a white suit over it, and he actually looks very dapper but they're meeting up with Orlando they want to make a deal and they want to be the ones to collect this bounty on Tubbs This is all the while while Calderon has hired goons. Calderon Jr. Sorry, Orlando. I should be saying Orlando to make this more specific. There is a bloodied guy, maybe chained to the back of his car. Maybe he was kept in the trunk and he was chained and he was thrown onto the road. Not looking too hot. And basically, as they're ending this meeting, Calderon kind of uses his goons shooting this guy as a warning. That, you know, this guy tried his best. So... You better watch out and you better do your best. Now, those two gentlemen, like I just mentioned, quite dapper looking. They don't look like, you know, they're on the underbelly of society. They become a little bit more integral to the story in a couple scenes. But let's get back to Angelina and Tubbs in bed, (laughs) massaging each other, just like nothing ever happened. And this is where I was like, oh, my God, girl, I actually wrote Nine Day Fiance. He asks what the baby's name is. She says, Ricardo. I'm like, girl, you named the kid after a guy you had a one-night stand with who was instrumental in the death of your father. Again, who was a criminal who had a coming, but whatever. Instrumental in the death of your father, who you never planned to see again. You named him Ricardo. You could have named him anything else. Oh, my God. It was just so funny. It is exactly 90 fiance because this happens. Maybe the baby is not named exactly after the father, but there was this one where this like 25-year-old girl went on vacation and I believe it was like her first sexual experience and it was with a guy that works at a Springers resort and he was able to like sweet talk her into the naming the baby what he wanted to be named with the last name and you could just see her mother just like somehow not ripping out her hair in frustration because then the mom had to unretire in order to support this grandchild and I'm just like, oh my God, guys, please... I know mistakes happen, but, like, sometimes they're very easy to avoid. <laughs> is this the message? Is this the theme of the episode? <laughs> Just be careful. Oh, man. And then, you know, even though they didn't ex- plan to become a family, he is the father of her child, and she wants him to get out Miami, and that she knows that Orlando is going to try to kill him, and that he has the power, and that he is what Tubbs said her father was but he's actually much more true to the description. Orlando is. She offers him $800,000 in a suitcase to get out of town cash. This was 1987, 1986, sorry, 1986 in 2023 dollars. That is $2,172,347.67 in cash to get out of town. Now, Tubbs rejects. He says, you know, like, I'm a cop. I can't just, like, pick up and go. And that is tough. I do get that. But also, it's very tough to look $2 million of cash in the eye and say, nah, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to risk while this criminal lord Nepo baby has put this bounty out on me in 1986 Miami, where I'm very likely to get killed. But I get it. I get it. Now we go back to the precinct where Tubbs has taken the photo of Angelina and her half-brother Orlando as children to the precinct. (laughs) I was like, this is what he looks like. (laughs) And I get it. It's better to show them something than nothing at all. I'm just like... (laughs) There was that Nathan For You episode where... This guy did a horrible renderings of, you know, when there was, like, a missing child, like, this is what they might look like now in, like, 10, 20 years. I forget what it's called, but, like, the aging software. And this guy was so horrible at it. It was just, like, horrible (laughs) Photoshop. It's exactly what I thought. Like, hey, I'm looking. Have you seen this boy, like, in Terminator 2? But it's, like... (laughs) Have you seen this criminal kingpin? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sorry. Tubbs also asked Castillo for a little bit of leniency. So it turns out that the gentleman who killed, who shot Mendez, sorry, did not kill, who shot Mendez with the laser attached to the gun or the sniper, he's asking for leniency because that is actually Angelina's bodyguard. So all in all, Angelina was the one protecting Tubbs from getting killed so she could actually work with him and get him and let him know about his child and that she wants him to leave town so it's all part of a bigger plan castillo once again brings up the safe house again Tubbs is a little bit hesitant on it and this is where crockett brings Tubbs to another room to talk in this next clip rico this
1: may be none of my business if i'm out of line to say so but uh are you sure this kid is yours
0: Oh, I love it. Crockett is a cheesemosa just like me, because that's exactly what I would do.
1: I mean, we don't even know for sure if this half-brother of hers really exists. And the lady's got every reason in the world to play with your head. I don't think it didn't cross my mind.
0: But yeah, I got a son. And just then, Zito opens the door to let... Tubbs know that the DEA is on line three. Keep that in mind. Not before Crockett can get one little final dig in.
1: I wasn't really suspicious, except when you told me that the kid was good looking.
0: So Tubbs goes to take that call with the DEA. And this is such a funny response when we know that they banged.
1: (laughs) According to our Caribbean bureau, Calderon's sister's also on her way to Miami. Yeah, I've already made contact. That was quick. (laughs)
0: That was quick. Uh, Yeah, I've already made contact. Yeah, we know you've made contact us. First time you did, you you got a son. So I hope you're a little bit more careful this time. So he's quite forthcoming. He does want to get in touch with the DEA. He gives them the address to the safe house that Angelina's been staying at. And... While Crockett and Tubbs go to drop Tubbs off, again, Tubbs kind of protesting, he doesn't want to go, and Crockett says, you know, enjoy it, kind of think of it as a vacation, learn how to change diapers and all that. They pull up to Angelina's house, and they see the two D agents, and they see a ton of cops. Turns out the house has already been hit. Tubbs races into the house. Everything's gone. People are killed. The crib is turned, tipped over, and his son is gone. And it's sad because you can see like one of the little toys on the floor, and you can just tell Tubbs looks forlorn. The son he just met has now been kidnapped. Now, after that, they're back at OCB. Tubbs is pacing back and forth in the room, really nervous, really forlorn, really devastated, naturally. Azito's trying to comfort him letting him know that he's setting up a trace so that when he gets the call and then the telephone is ominously placed in the middle of the table and there's a great shot so that when Orlando calls that he'll be able to be able to trace it And Orlando tells Tubbs to meet him at Lighthouse Cove in one hour. Then when Tubbs kind of pushes back, Orlando makes it very serious and makes it known that he now has 59 minutes. So now a vice squad's got to figure all these logistics out so he can go get Angelina and his son. And now what happened to that trace? Well, it turns out Orlando used a mobile phone and a voice box. So they don't even have a way to trace this. Now we cut to a car where Orlando's goons... Hired goons! ...are wiring this car with a bomb while Angelina is taped and gagged to the front seat of her car. And while the baby is lying next to her in some blankets. This is just a rough imagination. And luckily... Orlando orders his goons to take the baby to the main house and have Maria look after it. So as uncomfortable as this is to watch, we know as the audience that the baby is not in this equation. And it's a very big old school bomb and... This must be so terrifying for Angelina because we can see her squirming, we can see her screaming, we can see her sweating. Just a very uncomfortable scene. Now, back at the precinct, they're going through the logistics and they kind of have the area set up and drawn out and, like, their plan of attack on the board. And they're working everything out with the bomb squad. Tubbs wants to get there because Calderon wants him for him. He doesn't want... His mother of his children to be used as essentially a shield or a target in this next clip.
1: And do what? He made sure we can't prove participation. You know we have no case on him. True, but if we show him some muscle, maybe he'll back out. Yeah. And maybe he'll blow the car on his way. He won't, as his own sister, man. We haven't got a whole lot of cards to play here. Wait a minute. Calderon wants me. And it's my job to put it on the line for the hostages, not the other way
0: around. I'll call it when I see it. Oh, man. So this is even more of a risky operation than we originally thought. But I really do commend Tubbs for really trying to get through this with as little bloodshed as possible. Like, he is what they are looking for. So, therefore, he wants to do it. Not himself. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. He wants to be front and center and get down to business with whatever business Calderone believes that he has with Tubs. And now we're actually getting to Lighthouse Cove and we're planning logistics with the Vice Squad. Again, it's not just Vice. We have SWAT. We have the Bomb Squad. And then we have a guest star in this next clip.
1: Be able to use our radios without triggering it. Bad news is that it's a coded signal and I can't jam it. Excuse me, Lieutenant. This is Park Commissioner Lido. This is Lieutenant Castillo. Lieutenant, you can't bring your boats in from out there without being spotted till high tide. Too many sandbars out there. Is there anything special about that shack? Uh, no, it's just leftover from some guys who wanted to put up a hotel. We don't go for commercializing public land. and We beat them in court. Guess I should have uh, gotten rid of the shack, too. Thank you. That's so why take your shooters, deploy along the shoreline. Hey, if you need some help, I'm pretty good with a gun, too. That's all right, Commissioner. We got that. Come on, right this way.
0: Ah, so who is Commissioner Lido? Well, it turns out that Lido is the birth name of Lee. I cannot pronounce his last name, but I'm going to try one more time. I've asked four different times how to pronounce it. Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca. He was the former head of Ford. And the former head of Chrysler. And at this time, he had just released his autobiography in 1984. And his autobiography was the best-selling non-fiction hardcover book of 1984 and 1985. Now, his story is actually incredibly interesting. It's not really vice tea worthy but I'll give you a little bit more at the end. But uh, this is funny that this is his little guest star as a commissioner who uh, really wants to help out the team, and he learned his lines. You could tell he did, so I'll give him credit for that. And for some reason, I thought it was very important for me to let you know that the Shack radio is broadcasting at 87 megahertz. I don't know why I have that written down, but I thought that was important to share with you. <laughs> now, the Bomb Squad says that they can't cover tubs wherever he'll meet with Orlando. And so a little bit of back and forth. And then Crockett, being his partner, offers to cover. And we don't really know what that entails. We see Tubbs pull up in his coup de ville, get out of the car, and look at Angelina as she's tied up, as she's gagged, as she's screaming, as she's squirming in this car that is wired to blow. And it is a a lot, there are a lot of explosives in this car. She's screaming and crying and the blanket in the car, remember was repositioned to look like there was a baby next to her, even though Ricardo Jr. or just Ricardo for all intents and purposes is safe and sound in the main house like Orlando said, Tubbs doesn't know that. Angelina can't verbalize that to him. Oh, man. So while Angelina's crying, Orlando radios in. When you get to the shack, now! Bring it now! Just do what you gotta do.
1: It now, but I want to look into his eyes when I offer.
0: Sorry, when he says it, he's referring to the transmitter. That was the whole thing is that Tubbs wanted to get the transmitter and have it on him, use it as leverage and use it hopefully as a way to save Angelina. One thing I forgot to note is that Orlando ripped off the pendant that Angelina was wearing as he was leaving her in the wired car. And now I want to play this clip just because I really do think it's important for the story. However, it is a little bit triggering so maybe we just, like, skip over 20 seconds. Angelina is trying to get Tubbs' attention as he walks away and let her know that Orlando plans on killing her anyways in this next clip. <laughs> And unfortunately, just witnessing how cold and callous Orlando is to his own sister, albeit half-sister, I am not surprised that this is all. And she knows exactly what his MO is and that he's out for one thing and that he's much worse than anyone ever made her father out to be. And her father was a pretty bad guy. So as Tubbs is giving Sunny directions as to what's going to go down with the deal once he gets the transmitter and Sunny again is hiding in the back, he's always got Tubbs's back. We see Angelina rock back and forth, rock back and forth, and the SWAT and Vice team notices too that she's moving, that she's moving, and this is bad because, again, this car is wired to blow. She's finally able to get out of her restraints, and she presses down on the horn to warn Ricardo. Sorry, to warn Rico, and the car blows up, and it's a pretty big, brutal explosion. And at this time... Tubbs does not know that his child is not in the car but he just watched the mother of his child sacrifice herself in order to possibly save him and with the explosion Vice, SWAT, backup, Dade County all these law enforcement officers come swarm the scene this huge shootout occurs not only between Crockett and two of sorry I'm not trying to laugh after this Horrible death. Um, Just the outfits on two of Calderon's goons that are standing by the car. And then we also have two of Calderon's goons in the shack. And while the shoot is occurring, Calderon's kind of freaking out. And then he's able to slip out of the back before the shack is also shut up and explodes into many, many, many pieces. Now... After all this has happened, there is a really beautiful shot of Crockett and Tubbs having a really nice heart-to-heart, and while other officers are there, kind of dealing with the aftermath of the situation, but just a beautiful shot while the sun, it's like kind of twilight, and Crockett and Tubbs have a really nice heart-to-heart in this next clip. I I just want to be alone.
1: Partner, I'm, I'm not trying to crowd you. I just want to be there for you if you need me. Yeah. I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll drop you at the St. Vitus.
0: I'll go write this up, and we'll go get some breakfast and talk, whatever. Oh, that's really sweet, and I really love this. Kind of just calls back to the pilot and to. Call their Owns Return part one and two where it just really cements their friendship and I just love the way that Crockett calls him partner and he means it like you can really tell like they're not just partners they're friends and offering to let him stay at the St. Vitus while Crockett does all the paperwork so next scene we see Crockett looking very handsome I may add in the precinct going over just some paperwork he's in Beautiful crisp white blazer, a baby blue shirt, looking like a million bucks, I will say. Where this other officer, I'm totally blanking on where he's from. I want to say Bomb Squad, maybe SWAT, stops by and he has papers of Calderon for the investigation, for the file. And then he also mentions that Tubbs's file from the DEA, part of that is in there too. That's kind of suspicious. And we see that it's a little bit burnt. Interesting. So Calderon had a DEA file on Tubbs. You can see things start to spin to motion for Crockett.
1: But I'm sure Internal Affairs can wait and read that tomorrow. What DEA file? On Tubbs, right there at the top of the bag. Oh, and listen tell him how sorry I am. Yeah, thanks.
0: Ooh, this is not good. Crockett goes to pay the DA visit when he's talking with the security guard to get it let in. The security guard kind of makes some kind of joke, like, oh, you're the second vice cop to come in. What'd you do? Catch his bookie or something? And then everything starts to click for Crockett. He has seen this before. I will say, I did catch a great shot of Crockett showing off his badge, but you see the watch you see the wayfarers looking impossibly styled looking like a million bucks this is one of the best photos of crockett this is just when he looks so impossibly cool so unfortunately crockett knows that other vice cop is that already tried to pay the da a visit they go back or crockett i should say crockett goes back to falcon restaurant Tubbs is waiting there crockett hops in the coup de have another conversation with Tubbs and let him know that he's there for him and that he knows what's going on in this next clip. I know
1: about Harrison. I read the files too. Harrison gave up my family, man. And he'll pay. But not like this, buddy.
0: I don't want to hear it. Right? Like, we feel it. Like, these are the emotions that we met Tubbs with in the pilot. And then... The next scene, I do not know who gave him this direction. This is how he tries to get Harrison's attention. Harrison! I wanna to talk to you! He like catcalls him. I was like. <laughs> I've been talked to like this. I've had guys yell out of cars like this for me. It's not. I don't know. Like you're you're law enforcement agents. I think you should be able to be a little bit more stealth. And how you deal with the DEA setting you up and setting your family up and just like hollering at him in a parking lot. (laughs) So naturally this big shoot occurs. Tubbs is pissed, pissed, pissed. He does shoot him while he's, while Harrison's driving off. We get a shot of the car with the dead Harrison sink into the Miami River. Crockett comes to comfort tubs. Crockett also super slightly just pulls his badge out of his pocket, shows it to whoever is obviously coming to check out the situation and gets them to leave tubs alone, which I think A plus. Friend move right over there. Oh, man. And he says it's over, you know, like. Is it? Is it over? You know, like we just had to deal with corrupt. I believe he was also DA in Payback. Like, please stop trusting the FBI and these big government agencies in this series, because actually the FBI, the FBI, they kind of say is like more dumb rather than malicious. Whereas it seems like the DEA, like that's where Scotty Wheeler was at as well. The DEA is incredibly dirty and corrupt in this series. So please stop trusting these officials. (laughs) Crockett and Tubbs, that's all I'm asking for the next three seasons that I'll be recapping is, I don't want to see this repeated again. But who am I kidding? This is Miami Vice. Now, this is a super downer of a scene. We see Tubbs sitting despondent at a desk in OCB with his hand over one of his son's toys looking at a picture of Angelina with another little toy in his other hand, just kind of like gently stroking the toy. The camera pans up and he's wearing sunglasses inside, possibly to hide. his crying, his puffy eyes. And then it actually cuts to the funeral scene. And even though I know this is a fictional show and I know in my, as the audience that the baby was not in the car, seeing that tiny little coffin really got to me. Like that is so depressing that, these are even made, and I can't imagine what he's going through again having lost his brother and now having lost the mother of his child and his child after knowing them for, what, like two days? Like, this is so brutal. Every time Tubbs has a chance that a happy family gets taken away by Calderon, like someone in this family. and. It's just so hard to watch. And there is a really great shot of Tubbs with Crockett standing behind him and Castillo standing behind him as well, keeping an eye out. A delivery van pulls up during the procession, delivers a big bouquet. I don't want to say it's a bouquet, but a big arrangement of flowers with a note. While this song by Phil Collins is playing in the background. Crockett hands the note from this flower arrangement to Tubbs. Tubbs opens it up. It seems to be a little bit bulky. He opens up, finds the dolphin pendant belonging to Angelina in there, and then opens the note as he's holding a pink flower in his hand. And the note says, I'll be back. And the episode cuts on his justifiably angry face. As we end season two with the end of Sons and Lovers and I'll be back. Now, I'm also aware that the whole point is that Orlando is an incredibly ruthless criminal, but I think sending someone a threatening note as they're burying the mother of their child and unbeknownst to them, not burying their child, but assuming they're burying their child. Like, come on, man, give it a day brutal but wow what a great episode and this is the end of season two there are big changes to come in season three i know not of us not all of us are big fans of the changes that go on in the later seasons but let's just have fun with it and let's just embrace the series for what it is as we relive each and every episode here on vice and easy now let's break down this episode season two episode 23 sons and lovers Oh, man. Well, I am going to preface this by saying, originally, when I was doing the screenshotting, I was like, wow, Tubbs looks so great in black in the beginning of the episode when he's wearing the teal undershirt and the purple tie. And then just seeing him in black at the funeral mourning his family that he never even got a chance to properly reunite with was a little sad. So I am going to give the best-dressed male... To Crockett in that kind of periwinkle blue that looks so good in him with those coral pants and the white blazer. Also to one of our shady D agents with the mock turtleneck and the white striped suit. Best dressed woman. And naturally, I'm going to give it to Gina even though we can't really appreciate her outfit. The blue purse, the blue belt, and the blue boots tied together with the white dress just make her look like a million bucks. Now this is kind of like a wild card, I just had best dressed hired goons as a category, and there was a tie. Because we have the guys that are waiting outside of the wired car. One with a shirt more than halfway unbuttoned with a giant chest tattoo or giant like upper, I would say clavicle tattoo, pretty epic sunglasses. And then we also have our boy at the beginning with the curly mullet and the color block also halfway button shirt with the gold chain. And it was very hard to choose between these hired goons. <laughs> so I had to give it to both. And then as we want to go through decor, again, I had a tie. Not really a tie. So I had an exterior decor choice, which again was like kind of that little apartment building that I really liked with the blue tile and the purple and the mustard yellow and the soft pink. And then I just love the interior decoration of Angelina's house because it's quite tasteful. Like it could be a lot gaudier given how she got her money. (laughs) Let's just be honest here. But I also love the reflection in the mirror of the glass blocks behind her. Just amazing. Love this house. And now let's transition into music. Now there are only two songs. There was obviously, you know, we got our Jan Hammer spooky score, suspenseful score in there. But I was trying to figure out which one of the songs I liked better. And I was like, you know what? Let me look at the lyrics, see which one is like more thematically relevant. They're both quite thematically relevant. Here are some lyrics from After the Fire by Roger Daltrey, which was playing during the montage when he's reminiscing about Angelina. Because there are two montages. The second montage is when... A Long, Long Way to Go by Phil Collins is playing during the funeral. And then it's a lot of the same scenes, but it kind of looks like it has a Vaseline lens over it. You can see the cover for this episode is kind of that, like, Vaseline lens. So here are some lyrics from After the Fire. I saw Matt Dillon in black and white, there ain't no color in memories. He wrote his brother's Harley across the TV while I was laughing at Dom DeLuise now i'm cycling all my videotapes i'm crying and i'm joking i've gotta stop drinking i've gotta stop thinking i've gotta stop smoking after the fire the fire still burns the heart grows older but never ever learns the memories smolder and the soul always yearns after the fire the fire still burns now like i was talking about earlier when i was getting really emo for no reason at all this definitely takes me back because, like, I wouldn't just be heartbroken. I would be, like, viscerally and physically, emotionally heartbroken and, like, just actively trying to put myself into more pain. And, like, that just resonated with young me very much. Now, here's also an excerpt from Long, Long Way to Go by Phil Collins. When I sit and we talk and talk and we talk some more, Someone's loved one heart stops beating in the street somewhere. So it would seem we've still got a long, long way to go. I know. I've heard all I want to hear today. Turn it off if you want to. Turn it off if you want to. Switch it off. It will go away. Interesting. So those are both incredibly thematically relevant to what Tubbs is experiencing in this episode. He is having kind of like a relit romance. Discovering he has a family and then losing that all within the span of an episode, and I'm obviously going to go to Phil Collins because I have a very big soft spot in my heart for Phil Collins. But great song choices to the producers or to the editors, whoever is picking the songs for this, really, really, really hit the nail on the head with this one. Now with Vice T, I don't really have any Vice T because there's nothing super scandalous. I did give you a little background into John Leguizamo, and I did give you a little background into. Lee. And both just seem like incredibly interesting characters. I was actually reading a little bit more on Lee, which feel free to do so because he actually has a very interesting story of how he was able to parlay like his great marketing and his sales pitches into helping to create the Mustang, helping to create the Pinto, and then later with Chrysler popularizing minivans, bringing on jeep into the chrysler family and basically saving them from going under going to congress and basically asking for you know help and being able to ask for kind of i forget what it was the proper term for it It is basically uh kind of like an elongated loan that he was able to pay back and due to his success with Chrysler after he was fired from Ford. Basically, he was fired from Ford, I believe, 1978, if I remember correctly. He didn't get along well with Henry Ford II and then was scooped up by Chrysler in 1979 as they were on the verge of going out of business and he was able to help revitalize that company, which I think was incredibly cool. And then I believe he retired in 1992. And when Chrysler really went under, he naturally, you know, it hurt, you know, especially in like 2007, 2008, when all the big auto bailouts were going on. So I just think it was a very different time, but like a man with incredibly sharp business acumen. So I might actually pick up his book. John Leguizamo as, it's hard because I'm like trying to think of my favorite role. Obviously it's going to be. Romeo and Juliet, because he's just like so handsome and badass as Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. But I also really liked him in Ice Age. I really like the Ice Age movies. They're just really cute and wholesome and they got some great voice actors. And again, I couldn't find anything too scandalous on him. Just seems like an all around great guy, Um, very active in the arts and giving back to the community. So no Vice T this episode, sadly. But as we wrap up season two of not only Miami Vice, but of the podcast, Let me leave you with my quote of the episode and I will see you in two weeks. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like, don't forget to share. Don't forget to tell your friends about the show. Again, this show is not streaming anywhere in North America. So if you do have DVDs, let your friend borrow them. Maybe watch them together. Introduce some new people to Miami Vice until hopefully, hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed it finds its way onto a new streaming platform in hopefully 2023. Let's be more realistic. 2024, when we'll be celebrating the 40th anniversary of the pilot of Miami Vice in September 1984. Yep, that's gonna be that's gonna make me feel old. (laughs) I leave you with the quote of the episode, and I will see you in two weeks for more Vice and Easy as we get into season three of Miami Vice. Thank you so much, as always. Here is your quote of the week. Harrison! I wanna talk to you! I love that Tubbs approaches the D agent with the same energy I got approached waiting for the bus in high school.
1: <laughs> hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.